Hello everyone, welcome back to Daf HaShavuah as we study Mesechus Kesuvos, Daf Yudalit. And uh, we're getting close to the end of the first parak. I know it's been an incredible parak. I really appreciate everyone's feedback, the questions, and uh, the serious learning that's going on. I'm recording this year, and you'll be receiving this year during Hanukkah. And whenever you can connect the Daf to Yon uh, Yama, I think it's always a bonus opportunity. And I want to explain a little bit before we get back into the Gemara some things that struck me as I was preparing uh, actually Dafya Gimel as well and Dafya Dalit for this week. Someone asked me a question in Shulan Shabbos. We have the case of a, a woman who's not just claiming Midaberasima, uh, right? There was a claim that she was speaking with uh, men and had yichud with men then you have a situation of a case where she's muberes so that's not just speaking there's proof that she is not a basula and then the question was okay are we going to believe her to say that she was with a kosher person and at what stage it was let's assume uh, before Arison or even after Arison but the bottom line is She's not a... Um, it's going to be before Arison, as we explained. Because if it's after Arison, no matter who she was with, whether it's a kusher or a puzzle, she's not going to be able to be together with her husband. Okay. Now, someone asked me a question, which is uh, probably would not have been able to be asked during the time of the Gemara. What happens if today you have a single woman and she gets, uh, she becomes impregnated. And then she has, in her bari, which means her definite statement, would be not just that I was with a kosher man, but she could also say, I was with no man. I received uh, fertility treatments, which raises a whole set of issues uh, outside of our daf, and something rabbis have to deal with and families have to deal with. You have a, a situation if a woman is getting a little bit older and she's concerned about uh, not having a child. If uh, Bezrat Hashem, she meets her Barsher. Uh, so what they'll do is sometimes freeze the eggs. And halakhically, that's going to be acceptable. If, you know, then she gets married, they're able to use those eggs. And there's really no problem over there. The question does come up, <coughs> if you have such a woman, but she doesn't get married, but she still wants to be a mother. Men may not be able to relate to that idea in the same way. And there's really no isser. I'm not getting over here into what's the best thing to do community-wise, but a child who's born from a single mother, that child has to be taken care of by the Jewish community, even though she doesn't have a husband, and even though she never had a husband. Now, there's certain sensitivities of how it's done. Um, I've discussed it with Rebeam, and I'm not going to get into all those issues now, but my point is going back to Ari Gemara, is that her bari 
in that situation is also a bari. When I say bari, that she has a definite argument as opposed to what the guy is going to argue, which is a shema. Now, what's very interesting about this, and I think it's one of the major chidushim of this whole sugya, of this whole, uh, what we've been analyzing. Generally, as I understand it, Bari Vashema and Bari Adif is really a Dine Mominus issue. And that was really the situation until we got to this case of the woman saying she's uh, pregnant or where we see she's pregnant. Because it was a question of the Ksuba. But now you're really dealing with a more fundamental issue where we're into the world of Isurin. Now that we know that she's had relations and we see her being pregnant, so it seems to be way beyond the Chosh and Mishpat issue. It gets into the question of who she could be with, who she was with, and it's somewhat of a Chiddush going on. Now, part of what's going on when you learn this Gemara in Daf Yudimo and Daf Yudalit, and I'm spelling out things that I hope will give you a deeper understanding of the Gemara, it also does have halachlamaisa consequences, is the Tosfos, I pointed this out last week, and it continues this week as well, you have to make sure in each case that we're analyzing, and if you end up looking up any of these cases in the Shulchan Aruch or in the Rambam, are we going to be discussing a case where this is a woman who's going to, God willing, be married to a Stam Yisrael, Stam Levi, or to a Kohen? Because we know that the standards for a Kohen are greater. And the standards for a Kohen are greater really for two reasons, which I want to explain. They're greater for the marriage that is in front of us, for the case that's in front of us, but it's also a question of the yichus for the future. And this I've discussed uh, numerous times in Yuvamis and in Mesechus Ksuvos, that the yichus of a Kohen, if a Grusha wants to marry a Kohen, Grusha wants to, a Giyaris wants to marry Cohen, which Bismana says is 100% prohibited. The Kiddushin is Chal, and someone who does that, we're not throwing him out of the community, but we're not going to give him a Cohen Aliyah, he shouldn't be a little Sometimes there are going to be questions about the Yichus based on previous relations that the woman who's the mother of the Cohen may have had. So that's why all of this is uh, very important, especially the lineage of a Kohen. It's not just that we make sure that the Kohen gets his uh, Kohen Aliyah, which is important as well, but uh, that's not the biggest deal. The biggest deal is, are the children Chalolim, based on previous relations. And somebody could uh, look like a Kohen, and his father could be a Kohen, but he may not necessarily have the Kahuna if there were relations that the woman had with someone who was uh, not allowed. So again, you also have to track the uh, chronology of when exactly the marriage took place, when the event took place, etc. And I wanted to throw this in a little bit because of uh, Hanukkah. You know, Hanukkah, we're discussing the uh, family of Kohanim. It's an incredible Ramban, and the Ramban says that anyone who claims to be from the Hashmanayim, and it's a Ramban based on the Gemara, 
if anyone claims to be from the Hashemunayim, then we're not going to believe them. Because this great family of Kohanim eventually had many uh, relations that were prohibited. Eventually, we're not talking about the big five. A couple of generations later. later. And the Kohanim lost their yichas. The people who descended from those Kohanim lost their yichas. And the Ramban, which I was mentioning, you know, says that what happened was the Kohanim went over bounds. They stepped out of the bounds. The Kohanim is supposed to be a separation of power. The Malucha stays with Yehuda. Malchus Yehuda, Shevet Yehuda. Shal was an exception. And then you have the Kohanim who are serving the spiritual needs of the community, both in the Beis HaMikdash and in the teaching. So we were at, during Hanukkah in a harasha. There's an emergency situation. The Kohanim stepped up when no one else would. But at a certain point, they were supposed to give up their kahuna. They were supposed to give up, not their kahuna, they were supposed to give up the malucha. Now the Ramban at the same time says that if not for the Hashemunayim, there would not have been a continuation of Torah in Yisrael. The Rambam has a uh, similar, somewhat different formulation in the beginning of Hilchas Hanukkah. So we're not knocking the Hashemunayim. And this leads to a, uh, another discussion relating to Hanukkah that I think ties into our Gemara as well. To give a little background, actually, from the Torah, you know, we have the story of uh, Shimon and Levi. Shimon and Levi, Levi, the progenitor of the Kohen family, and a very strong reaction to what happens with uh, Shechem and Dina. Now, without getting through all the details, not a chumash here, there's a very, uh, I think, important insight from Rav Hirsch, Rav Samson Rafael Hirsch, who says the message of this that the brothers were trying to send out. And again, there is a debate amongst the Rishonim whether their behavior was correct. L'chadchila, was it, uh, was Yaakov upset on strategic grounds? Was it wrong? But Rav Hirsch says, they were sending out a message. Don't mess with Jewish women. This was a message, and it's in the Torah, not just for the events of that time, but for the future. This uh, ends up being an interesting component and sometimes understated component of the Hanukkah story. And again, I'm looking at it in this Masechta because you're really seeing the Kedusha of Eresin, the Kedusha of marriage, and anything that could come and interrupt it, whether from, uh, we've seen rape situations, we're not comparing cases, but when people go outside, even within the Jewish community, outside the realm of the sanctity of the marriage, and you have to start getting into evaluations, calculations, and again, as I pointed out last week, the monetary aspect is really the sidebar. It's important, but it's a sidebar to the Kedusha aspect. And that's why we're in uh, Nashim. We're not over here in Chosh and Mishpat, Halachos. So there's a fascinating uh, two Halachos. I may mention this in a different shear that are brought down. The Ramah mentions uh, both of them. One is for women not to work during the time of the lighting of the menorah. There's another one as far as eating dairy on these days. And if you look at the way it's explained, the Mishnah Bura goes back to the Kolbo, 
goes back to earlier works. There's a Gemara that actually talks about the women have to fulfill the mitzvahs of Hanukkah because they were part of the nace. And if you look at Tosfos, Rashbam, that it's not just that they were part of the nace, that they generated the nace. And most attribute this to Yehudis, who was part of the Hashmonai family. And according to the story, she would take the Greek general, she took the Greek general. They had a rule that uh, a woman in Arison, before her Nesuin, would have to sleep with the general of Greece or some type of representative. And this heroic woman, Yehudis, gave uh, cheese latka, something with cheese, to tire out the man, together with wine, took the general's head off, and this actually inspired the whole Hanukkah story. And there are two bonuses that come out of it. The women don't have to work, and you have extra dairy. The dairy minhug seems to have fallen away, the work piece as well, so that's interesting. But I just wanted to tie in, you know, how do you look at this Masechta together? Now, there are many others, and a whole different, different shitos of uh, Risharim and Achronim who attribute other similar stories, some that are found in Chazal, some that are found outside in what we call uh, the Sifrei Chitzonim, part of the Apocrypha, not part of the canon, because, of course, the Hanukkah story is taking place after the time of the Nevi'im, and that's why we're relying on Chazal to uh, guide us, even from a historical perspective, as I pointed out in the Rambam, and also with some of these stories that are found. Let's get back now to Daf Yudalit. We have on the Daf a, a very fascinating category. It's referred to as an Almana Isa. Literally, uh, the way it's explained by Rashi, it's a widow who's of dough. What does that mean? It doesn't mean she has a lot of money, but there's some confusion mixed up, like we mix up dough. And there's a confusion about her status. Just to give the simple interpretation, and then we're going to get into some of the halachalamaisa that comes from this daf. Let's say she was married to a man who there was a suffolk, whether he was a halal or not. How you get to a suffolk halal, <clears throat> a doubt of whether he was a halal, you have to go back a generation or two. But there's a doubt of the status. Then she ends up uh, marrying this guy, and he dies. There's a question at this point of whether she would be allowed to marry a Kohen, because there's a confusion now in her uh, yichus, even though it was connected to the husband. But now, since she had relations with the husband, she was with her husband, so now her status is a uh, mixed-up status. Was she a chalo or she was not a chalo? And you end up seeing over here the different opinions that are presented. That's uh, one possibility of what it means. And it's uh, something that will come up again. Keep it in mind. You'll see this other places in Shas. What I want to focus on, because this does uh, have some practical applications, at least uh, conceptually, and, and sometimes practically as well, is we know that there's an idea of shtika kahoda. It's used very often just in common expression. You know, you catch your kid uh, taking the cookie out of the cookie jar, and uh, you say, I know you took the cookie, and he's quiet. 
And there could be other uh, more serious halachic issues where this comes up. Being quiet is acquiescing to the accusation that is made. But how does this work in the world of uh, Ishus, what we're discussing over here? And we're trying to figure out the status of a man, which ultimately could impact the status of a woman, and it's a question of marrying into Cohen or not. Now, we have to keep in mind one thing before we get down to the bottom line, halacha, that as much as there's a question about someone marrying into a Kohen family, which we spoke about in the beginning of this year, and it was a big highlight last week. You know, we want to keep that yichus as pure as possible, but not being able to marry a Kohen, forget about a Kohen himself, but not being able to marry a Kohen, okay, that's a limited part of the population. That's an issue to marry a Kohen. But what happens if there's a restriction on someone marrying into the Kohol? You have a Mamzer, you have a Nasina, you have someone who's an Eved. Let's just deal with a Mamzer. <clears throat> a Mamzer, which means that uh, he was born from a marriage. It's not the way it's usually understood if you translate it to English. But what happened was his uh, mother was not divorced from the father or from anyone else, ends up, yeah, from her husband, then ends up uh, having relations with this kid's father. She's an Ish when she had relations. She did not have a valid get. And then sometimes there could be a question about the get. So there, you're going to have Suffolk Mamzer. That's what we have in our Gemara. Suffolk Mamzer is much bigger what's at stake. Because here the question is whether... She, this um, person who was born is allowed to marry anyone in the community. It's not just a question of whether they can marry into Kahuna. You see, a Cholol can't marry a Kohen or will have an impact on whether the child can marry a Kohen. Mamzer can't marry into anyone except for a Mamzeres. So, Shtika Kahoda may apply in one situation, may not apply in another situation. Part of what the framework of this Gemara is, Altsmidos, from a Midos perspective, is you know, someone makes an accusation of, against you. If they have no evidence, then is it always worth defending yourself? You see, for example, the opinion of Rabbi Meir that by defending yourself, even in a Mamzerus question, that's going to actually generate an investigation that's going to take place. If you just quiet, maybe the accusation will go away. Again, this is not where you have testimony of the status of the person. And then I just want to show you, Lemaisa, how this is brought down, Lahalacha. So the Rambam discusses uh, this case in uh, Hilchos Yisurei Bia, all the way deep, deep into it in uh, Perikhov Tess. And the Rambam says that Shtika Kehoda. The Rambam does not make a distinction whether we're talking about a Mamzeris case, whether we're talking about a Nasina or a Cholo. Now the Ravid comes along on the Rambam and the Ravid takes this, you know, straight from our Gemara. He says that this is only true in the time of the Gemara when a person who insulted someone else's lineage would actually be placed under a ban. They would put Nidoi. 
So therefore, if the person's making the accusation, there's a lot at stake. You know, today we could put people in Nidoy from today to tomorrow. No one's going to listen to it, and we have no way of enforcing it. And you see that even after the time of the Gemara, people were able to, at liberty, go over, question someone's lineage, say, like, you know, who's your mother? And it would raise problems. So at that time, when there was some teeth to it, the Ravid says, where you could, the guy's taking a risk by making such an accusation. And therefore, the Ravid goes on to say that a person remains silent. You could assume that in our day, right, that he's trying not to get involved because there's no such punishment given to someone who makes a, such a slur. So what's the benefit for the insulted person to start getting involved? So he says it's better to remain silent. Incredible, Ravid. Now, not all Rishonim agree. Just to give you a very brief overview, the great uh, Spanish Rishonim, the Ramban, his Talmud, the Rashba, you know, the Rashba took over for the Ramban after he went to Eretz Yisrael. He says that uh, the Rambam's words apply regarding a family. There's already a doubt, which means if you're quiet, and there's already a question about this family's lineage. So it's, again, he's taking it from a different angle than the Ravid, but it's also qualifying the Rambam statement. You see, the Rambam statement looks pretty black and white. But if it's a situation where people have a good reputation, there's no question as far as the Yichus, then again, they say it's better to remain silent. You know, we're studying the Parshios now of conflict, <coughs> the brothers, and, you know, sometimes silence is a much better option. So here what you end up seeing, it's fascinating. We started with Dine Mominus. We moved to Ishus. Now we're talking like Hilchos ben Eldon Lachavera. The Ran says, just to give you one more Rishon, that if a person is quiet, it's only significant when it's common for him to protest other matters, which means you have to look at the personality involved. It's going to be a subjective situation. It's incredible. Now, this is brought down Lahalacha in the Shulchan Aruch in the very beginning of Evan Ezra, actually uh, Evan Ezra Simon Bey's Sif Dalit, who quotes the opinion of the Rambam. The Ramah quotes some of the other views. And you really have very beautiful language in the Shulchan Aruch and in the Rambam as well about the value of not getting into conflicts. So what you would say is all things being equal, if such an accusation is made, people should just be quiet about it. Don't start fighting back. Fighting back could raise issues. Now, there is an important thing. If you look into the Rambam, the Rambam already builds in an exception, even with the strict position where he says you could do an investigation. And if they do an investigation, you know, whether it's the best in the proper parties and they find out that it's not psulim, then there's no reason to assume that there is. The way this comes up again today is usually, in at least any situations I've had to deal with, is a, a Kohen situation. I've never, I guess Baruch Hashem, I've had to deal straight out with a Mamzer situation. You do have certain times where someone had to get and maybe they weren't part of an Orthodox community. They join an Orthodox community 
and they're remarried. You know, they become Balik Tshuva and they're remarried. So you get real complications over there. If they're no kids, you give them another get. You know, you do the get, la halacha. Um, if there are children, then you're dealing... Uh, it's hard to say it's Suffolk Mamzer based on the get. You're going to find any way to say that the get was acceptable. But these are real, real major issues um, as far as how they're done. And they, these issues do come up practically. Okay, we should all have a lot of siyata deshmaya have holy uh, relationships, protect the Jewish women. Yichus should be uh, protected as best as possible. But this doesn't mean, again, that chas uh, we're trying to knock people out of the community. We follow halacha. It's not like they're people that are superior to other people. That's not the idea of uh, yichus. And the best yichus in the language of, uh, I think it was the rush, the best yichus is a person behavior himself or herself. Have a great week of learning.